Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness where you know I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Now, a lot of you who listen and watch this show, you're moms like me and you're worried about your kids and rightly so because we know anxiety and depression are on the rise along with almost every other mental health issue that we can name. I know this, I've seen the changes in my own teens firsthand and I am more than excited to welcome Dr. Kenneth Bach, who's a board certified physician who received his MD degree with honor from the University of Rochester School of Medicine in 1979. He's an internationally recognized pioneer of integrative medicine when people probably didn't even know what integrative medicine was. He is the best-selling author of Healing the New Child Epidemics, The Road to Immunity, Natural Relief for Your Child's Asthma, and The Germ Survival Guide. He's contributed to numerous professional publications, and he's an in-demand international speaker. He is world-renowned practice. Bach Integrative Medicine is located in the beautiful Hudson Valley in Red Hook, New York. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bach. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. my pleasure. Well, we are thrilled to have you here. And you know what really excited me about this particular interview is that you know about neuroinflammation. I've been typing that out on my treatment plans and people are like, what's that? So talk to us a little bit about, I mean, you've got such perspective, right? I've only been in the integrative medicine field for about 12, 13 years. You've been doing this for a really long time. What do you think is happening to our kids when it comes to their brains, when it comes to mental health? What are you sort of seeing happen over the years and over the landscape? Well, I think, I think the, the main thing is the recognition that kids' brains are inflamed. I mean, if you look at, you know, I mean, it's not just kids. I think, in, a, in essence, I think we are an inflamed society. Yes, I agree. Inflammation is systemic. It's not just in the brains. It's in the arteries. It's in the joints. It's, you know, I mean, people's lives are inflamed, the kind, of, the kind of lives in society we're living in, unfortunately. But in terms of children, teenagers, and adolescents, yes, they're inflamed. And, and the problem is it's not recognized. And, and so what happens is we see this, this manifestation of psychiatric symptoms, whether it be anxiety, depression, you know, mood swings or, or cyclical, you know, major mood swings can be with aggression, even sometimes some psychotic features, OCD. We see all that. And a lot of times doctors will say, oh, it's your, I've heard this so many times, it's your garden variety anxiety or it's mm-hmm. OCD and we'll just treat it, blah, 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 with a psych med. And that's, they, those meds can be helpful, but they'll never be totally helpful if we don't recognize uh, that underneath that may indeed be neuroinflammation, which is inflammation in the brain. And the nice thing in the last decade is there's more and more literature supporting it. More and more doctors are getting becoming aware of this, that the, the connection of the gut, the brain, and the immune system, that so-called gut-brain immune axis, where inflammation frequently starts in the gut, becomes systemic as it goes through what we call the leaky gut, where there's too much permeability in the walls of the gut that are supposed to try to keep things out that shouldn't get in, travels up to the, towards the brain, 
gets to the blood-brain barrier, which is another cellular interface, which is trying to let nutrients in, but keep toxicants and inflammatory mediators out, lets them in, and unfortunately, we get inflammation. And this inflammation can be really pushed by stress, infections, you know, uh, certain peptides like gluten and, and dairy, yep. uh, so dietary peptides and toxicants. And uh, the thing is, we see it manifest as psych symptoms and we don't think, and we see stress. So yes, people are stressed and stress may be the thing that pushes them over the top because mm -hmm. of the symptoms, but we forget all the other layers. And when, when I talk about in Brain Inflamed, the book is this immune kettle, all the layers that contribute so a lot of times stress is the top layer. It throws people over the top of the kettle. They boil over into symptoms, but we forget all about the genetic predisposition, the nutrient deficiencies or insufficiencies, the allergies and sensitivities, the infections, the hormonal imbalances, uh -huh. all those things that need to be considered. And when you do consider those and you can figure them out and deal with each one and remediate, kids get better. And a lot of times we can get them off psych meds and they don't need therapy forever. They don't need to be institutionalized. Uh, obviously not always. Sometimes a psych problem is a psych problem. Right. But it's a real tragedy when a kid is relegated to a life of psych meds and therapy and maybe even institutionalization when there's a medical or biological issue that's not being recognized or addressed. That's the- Do you think, you know, for the time that you've been in practice, are you, do you feel like all this is just escalating? Like it's like, there, I know there's more awareness, but do you feel like almost every child we know seems to have anxiety or depression or ADHD or OCD? And then we have this whole like burgeoning, like pans, pandas community, which is that autoimmune neuroencephalitis. And then we have a rising rate of autism. Do you feel like there's something changing in our landscape or our environment? that is making this more neuroinflammation more prominent? Or do you think it was maybe always there and just not recognized? No, no, no. I think that that's because I've been, I have to take care of thousands of kids in the autism spectrum. That's how I kind of yeah into this. And I can talk about that segue, but, um, and sometimes I'll say, oh, the increasing uh, rates of autism are just better recognition. There is maybe some better recognition, but it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to diagnose a really severely affected autistic kid. It really right. does. And so I don't think that's true. And it's not just genetics because genetics don't change. It's really the environment. I think the environment is fostering this. I think it's the toxic in the mm -hmm. environment. And it's also kids are more stressed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we look at social media. I mean, social media is incredibly stressful. They have to be on all the time. People are going to take pictures of you in compromising situations. FOMO, fear of missing yep. out, yep. pressure to perform, to, to be up on everything. I mean, you know, just think about, it. I mean, even as doctors, you know, I can go on the computer as you can, mm -hmm. and you can look up something. What's the maximum dose of lamotrigine, right? Right. I can look it up in a second, right? What are the side effects of this drug? And I can go over with it. We couldn't do that years ago. So people think they have to be up on everything. Kids, the latest information, the latest this, the latest that. And I think having to be on so much and perform, you know, the, you know, I, I don't know where, I don't know uh, where you're located. I'm in Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. Yeah. You guys just, uh, <laughs> you guys just beat the Sixers. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, you, so where I am, two hours north of New York City, I have a lot of patients from New York City. I grew up in New York City. Mm-hmm. New York City exemplifies what I'm talking about. Bef- before people get pregnant or during pregnancy, they are then thinking about where they're going to go to preschool. Right. I've heard all this. Yeah. And, and then kids are now being tutored for the interview. They're getting interviewed for preschool. Oh my gosh. Crazy. So there's all this stress and then forget about the private school kindergartens and, right. and it, it doesn't stop. So the pressure to get into the best school to perform, uh, you have to be, you know, it's like almost when your college resume for kids, you have to be doing this extra club, this instrument, this athletic. And when I was growing up and I, I am, you know, obviously you got a few more, a few years on you, but um, we were growing up, we used to be able, be able to come home from school, get your homework done quick. Um, and then you could play. We, right. just, we played. We played outside. I grew up with a lot of kids. I still have a lot of friends from way back in public school and junior high school. But we played. We played sports. We played ring. We, the kids these days, everything is structured. Right. Everything has a purpose. And I really feel that that's a detriment to our kids. I think kids need to be kids. Yeah. Be able to screw off and have fun. And I, I just think that, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of stresses on kids. Mm. And I, so you're seeing it from a toxic end point of view, which is stressing immune systems. We're seeing it with C-sections. Mm-hmm. Another thing right from the get-go, you know, you know, people thinking of C-sections as an advance. Well, unfortunately, what happens to the microbiome, you know, when you have right. a C-section? Rather than be exposed to the mother's birth control and hopefully good flora, maybe not, but hopefully there's good maternal flora. And that's something I think should be done in pregnancy. But their their first floor they're exposed to is in the OR, the skin mm-hmm. of the the nurses or the guy. It's it's just, and that compromises them right from the beginning. Trust yep. me, a, that is it's a tougher road. And you, you know, I mean, C sections are up to maybe you know thirty upward of forty percent in this country. Yeah, and in the other countries they're sixteen percent. So I think that all these things are contributing and starting from very early on. I think it's so disturbing. I mean, I'm seeing the same thing in practice and just seeing where much of what you're talking about, whether it's leaky gut or food intolerances, food allergies, environmental, like so much glyphosate, for example, affecting the gut lining. Glyphosate, guys, by the way, is the derivative in Roundup. It's one of the ingredients there, but it's just prevalent now. And we're seeing it over and over again and how it's impacting a kid's uh, belly, essentially, and then obviously their brain and that gut-brain connection. So we're seeing this more and more, and we're seeing the immune system completely crash is probably the only way I can explain it, you know, is with viruses that maybe you would have been able to clear out of your system, but because you're already so compromised from a gut standpoint and a stress standpoint and a sleep standpoint and Wi-Fi and everything else, they become chronic and they continue to exert all these different neurological effects. So all of this, you know, as a parent, so I've got a 12 and a 13 year old and, you know, I don't want to go too much into, into each of their histories. They're healthy kids are doing great, but it's been really interesting because we recently found our, my entire journey in integrative medicine was essentially because I had PCOS, which was found later, but our whole family does. After I found it, it was basically in every member of the family. Well, my daughter was having a lot over the last couple of years, ever since, since she started her cycle, a lot of brain fog, a lot of anxiety, a lot of like checking out, not being able to focus. And even I knowing what I know, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's got such an attitude. Who did she go on? Like, this is not our family, you know, like all this other stuff, right? But, you know, something got into me and we checked all her hormones and all her levels. 
she's got PCOS. She has an inflamed brain. Her DHEA levels were super high. She was living in a state of like just high cortisol all the time. She had MTHFR, which is a methylation defect. I'm sure, you know, you, you're looking at that on a lot of the kids too. And so once we got her on a proper regimen, and at first I didn't believe myself, but once she was treated for the chemistry pieces that we were missing, Literally, you could mark the clock. At three weeks, I had a different kid. It's like she was alert. She was awake. Her room went from like totally disorganized to everything being put perfectly in place. Her grades completely changed. It was short of miraculous. And a lot of a lot of this I've seen in my exam rooms too, where kids come in and they're on different medications and you dig in and you do the work and you find all these deficiencies and slowly they come off the medications. What would you advise a parent who's maybe listening to these conversation and hearing all of this, like, where do they begin? Where do they start? How do they wrap their head around this? Because it sounds even, you know, even when I hear myself or I hear you as a, as a parent, sometimes it all sounds really overwhelming. Where does somebody begin if they want to start uncovering this information and really trying to understand where to go and what to do? Personally, that's why literally I wrote the book, Brain and Flame, because it, it was trying to be it's not for them to make diagnoses, it's for them to have a bit of a roadmap as to what paths they may pursue. And I made sure every chapter is a different entity after the whole thing about the immune system and the microbiome as to what may be um, underlying psychological symptoms in a, in a child, teen or adolescent. And then at the end of every chapter, there are questions and clues that may help uh, parents say, hey, wow, that may be happening in my child. And mm. more specifically, I, I came up with something called the mood, mood dysregulation spectrum. Mm. We have an autism spectrum, and there's mild, moderate, severe on that spectrum. Um, but this is a mood dysregulation spectrum that where I actually graphed all the different uh, types of mood disorders, anxiety, depression, OCD, panic disorder, you know, severe mood swings and psychotic features and things. And you can actually try to, and you, they can go on the site, braininflame.com, download for free this template that they can fill in for their child and they can compare it to some templates that I put together. Obviously the templates are not exact. They're trying to say, this is what you may see in some of like a pans pandas mm -hmm. or call ITA, you know, infection triggered autoimmune brain inflammation, which is what I really think it is. So it's mm -hmm. sometimes, unfortunately, pans and pandas gets a little controversial. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But so then they can say, oh, wow, this template up for my kid may resemble one that in the low thyroid situation in chapter. So mm -hmm. they look at the questions that, hey, is my kid constipated? Is my kid tired? Do they have dry skin, coarse hair, uh, that kind of stuff. And then they can say, wow, so let me make sure I get this checked or can it be, you know, tick-borne, Lyme or Bartonella? Do they live in an endemic area? Has there ever been a tick bite? Do they go, they play soccer and go in the woods? Do they hike? And um, and are there this, you know, multiple symptoms other than just psych symptoms? Although the thing with kids, teens and adolescents, sometimes the only symptoms of tick-borne disease like Lyme or Bartonella are neuropsychiatric. You don't get fevers, you don't get uh, joint aches, muscle aches or headaches. You may only get psych symptoms. So that's why it's so important to recognize and but so for parents, it can be bewildering. Mm -hmm. I tried to break it down, gave them a lot of questions and clues. The key is having clues that may 
lead you, you know, let's say something's like a pants, pan as you're talking about. Let's say their kid is, a, is like an amazing kid, A plus student, really great athlete, has lots of friends, great kid in the family, the, all everything going for them, right? And one morning they wake up and they're an alien. Right. They could either literally be having these intense intrusive thoughts, they can be suicidal, homicidal, go into rages, be very depressed, have OCD, develop a tick, you know, like a blinking tick or a shoulder head tick. Then you have to really, they go to see the doctor and the doctor says, oh, it's garden variety anxiety or it's a tick disorder. Yeah, it is that, but what is causing it? Right. You've got to think about, is it strep, you know, causing a misdirected immune response to the part of the brain called the basal ganglia that's causing this? Is it a tick-borne disorder that could either be Lyme or Bartonella or that causing immune inflammation and autoimmunity? These are all the things that need to be considered. And rather than a parent just being satisfied with a psych diagnosis, which is really just more descriptive, mm -hmm. um, I think it's just trying to raise this question in their minds, what is driving my son or daughter symptoms? And if it's inflammation, what is driving the inflammation? And, and I think the first step, just getting back to your question, is the first step is to probably... I think, you know, I think reading about it, understanding it, like reading the book or going on the braininflame.com website or something to, to learn some things, but then finding a doctor, perhaps either bringing it to their pediatrician or family physician, or finding a doctor that may be more up in it, may be more open to physiological underpinnings or pathophysiological underpinnings of psych symptoms. How many of you need that morning cup of coffee to help you get through the day? Well, what if I told you, you could make that cup of coffee even healthier? That's right, we need the caffeine, right? To stay alert, awake, and do everything you wanna do. But did you know that caffeine has been shown in research to reduce collagen synthesis and human cultured skin fibrosis, meaning your morning cup of coffee could be contributing to a loss in skin elasticity and increase in the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. Who wants that? Now there's a solution and I love it by adding a scoop of Paleo Valley grass-fed bone broth protein powder to your morning coffee, you get some added creaminess without the unnecessary flavor. But here's the best part. It contains a healthy dose of collagen from the bones of grass-fed and finished cows. Give it a try. It's a great way to boost the power of that morning cup of joe. Now look, we know there are a ton of collagen products on the market, but they're not all equal. Collagen peptides are made from cow hides or the skin of the cow. Think the same part of the cow they'd use to make a leather sofa or a handbag. The hides are often treated with chemicals at incredibly high heat to turn them from tough and inedible to a powder. Companies then say this collagen powder is healthy, but in reality, you're likely getting very few nutrients and minerals due to the intense processing and a side of pesticide residue, depending on the sourcing. Now, glyphosate is a common pesticide. We've talked about this one before. It's been shown to be very dangerous, even at low dose exposures. I know this, I see this in practice. It's an endocrine disruptor, which means it disturbs your natural hormone levels. Plus, it has an antibiotic effect that disrupts gut health. Most cows eat a diet of glyphosate, treated corn, soy, and grass their entire lives. So if your collagen product is sourced from these cows, there's a chance you're exposing yourself to glyphosate. 
we don't want that type of collagen. We want a collagen like Paleo Valley bone broth protein that is sourced well and supplied with low pesticides and higher quality. There are so many benefits to Paleo Valley 100% grass-fed bone broth protein. You know, in talking to parents too, it can be so challenging because the way that, as you know, I mean, I have a integrative practice and those of us in the integrative world or the functional world, we've set up practices where we have the bandwidth and the ability to really dive in and deep, you know, really delve into the chemistry component of what's going on with any of these different mental health issues. Whereas a conventional pediatric practice often doesn't have the gift of time, right? So they're like, you know, they've got this volume that they're trying to run through and they haven't also been trained to think about neuroinflammation or all the different vantage points where inflammation is coming from. You know, what are some, I love the mood dysregulation. In fact, I would have used that a couple of years ago for sure, but I love the mood dysregulation sort of uh, chart or spectrum, so to speak, that parents can use because for our family, we definitely saw a shift there and it should have alerted me sooner, but we dismiss so many things, right? Just like we dismiss our own health. Sometimes we dismiss some of these early symptoms as, oh, it's hormones or they're tired or something happened with one of their friends. Are there early warning signs that parents can kind of lock into? We know the obvious ones. We know about the tick and being you know sick all the time and all that stuff. What are some early warning signs that parents can maybe quickly identify that, hey, I think something's going on here and before things progress, too much, we need to get stuff checked out. Um, withdrawal, withdrawal from friends, uh, school refusal, you know, um, you know, uh, I think those are two big ones. I, I think, um, you know, noticing certainly, uh, I mean, sometimes the OCD can be subtle. Sometimes it's really dramatic if it's you know, dramatic hand washing or, you know, some of the kids, I have kids who won't leave a room or whatever. It gets really crazy, but um, but sometimes it's subtle and, and, you know, repeating things or looking for reassurance over and over. So you see, you know, newfound insecurities, sleep disorders. Mm. Um, I, I think, but a lot of times it's, if a kid has had friends and has normal social interactions and all of a sudden you see that deteriorating mm. because as, as teens and adolescents, we know the relations with the parents may deteriorate. Not always, right. but you know, obviously they're, right. they've got to be uh, separating. They've got to be finding their own. And that's, but, you know, and there's something that I call in the book, teenage-itis, mm -hmm. where this is a kid who basically is a bear at home, you know, he or she, and they go have a sleepover and the parent says, God, I just want to tell you, you're- Such a nice kid. <laughs> I mean, is the most polite, kindest, wonderful kid we've ever had. You I'm raised the them so well. They have such great manners. I'm like, you're, saying, you're talking about my kid? What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so. that, that's teenage-itis. Okay. Teenage-itis. I love that. Now I can, now I can actually explain it in my head. So yeah, well, that's more, and that's more in within the normality, even in the, the uh, mood dysregulation spectrum, I put irritability and, and moodiness as opposed to mood swings. And there's a, a, a certain normal area where kids, as they get to be teens and adolescents, they can be irritable and moody. And that's, there's a certain amount you got to give them. It's a slack, you know, it's mm -hmm. part of it. It's when that gets really high, then they go into the other parts of the mood dysregulation spectrum. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think the key is to be um, cognizant of if it interferes with um, schoolwork. And the grades start to deteriorate. To drop. So yeah. It's academic, it's social, yeah. and you know, certainly if there's any aggression where there wasn't aggression, and all of a sudden a kid 
starts getting aggressive with their siblings, you know, real aggression. I mean, I have some, I mean, obviously when it's really serious, I it, there's concern in some families I take care of that they're worried about their little kids because the kid becomes really aggressive. That's the more serious stuff. Got it. It really varies. And, and obviously there's going to be a lot more stuff that's not severe, severe, but you know, I mean, it comes in all shades, all shapes and sizes for sure. So, you know, we've talked about maybe what to look out for. I'm thinking about that parent who's like, well, I want to do something right now. I think something's wrong. I want to do something right now, short of finding the doctor to help you. Are there three patterns that you see all the time that these kids with neuroinflammation are missing out on? Is there a nutrient they're all missing out on? Is there a hormone that's always off? Is there is there something that they could really start to like latch into? So. All right, if I had to pull three things out, the first I would start is dietary to make sure it's not sugar related. Nah. So like a hyporeactive, we call hypoglycemia, low blood sugar. So that's one of the clues I didn't say before, but you know, let's say your kid, you're seeing really marked irritability, moodiness, maybe even mood swings or aggression or whatever, anger, and it's related to maybe them not eating frequently enough or eating sweets or artificial colors or flavors, you know, that's something to be aware of. So that's one dietary thing. So you can move to the more whole foods, Mediterranean type diet, right? As opposed to the classic yeah. diet that kids eat. That's one thing. The se second thing would be, I think, um, uh, in terms of nutrients, I think vitamin D is one of the key mm -hmm. nutrients. One of the key nutrients. It also affects the blood-brain barrier. So there are certain nutrients that can restore the integrity of the blood-brain barrier, which can help prevent and keep these inflammatory mediators out. And uh, one would be vitamin D, uh, one would be resveratrol, which is, mm, which is the- Really? Yeah, the polyphenol in red wine. And so uh, uh, I actually, you can check the integrity of the blood-brain barrier by getting uh, an S100B protein level. And if that's elevated, then you can say, well, maybe this kid should be on some of the things like vitamin D, but most of the kids with, you know, pans, pandas, and I call it tabby, they, they need vitamin D. It's immune modulatory. Mm. It's not just calcium and bones. It's definitely immune modulatory, anti-inflammatory. Fish oils are another. Yeah. And I think the best probably antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, including neuro-anti-inflammatory is curcumin, is the, is the, the active ingredient in turmeric. So I'd say if you're looking at all those, and, you know, so my, what I call my, um, uh, one of my uh, friends, uh, Chris Carr, once uh, called it this for me, so we could, is uh, the Holy Trinity, because we were talking about various supplements and right. the Holy Trinity, probiotics, vitamin yep. D, and insurance as being anti-inflammatory. And the probiotics are very important because the microbiome is such a source of inflammation. Yeah. So I would say those nutrients. And then from a psychosocial point of view, I, I would say, you know, being aware of what's happening with your kid, allowing them slack. I'm a big believer. Listen, I was a, we were all with teens. We know what we did. And um, uh, so it's recognizing, trying to get the balance between having, you know, lead a healthy lifestyle, eat healthy, um, and also allowing them to be teens and adolescents. And it's not always an easy line, obviously. You know, you're gonna have to, you know, parents are gonna have to deal with, you know, uh, substances and how they deal with that and dietary things, how they deal with that sugar and how they promote healthy foods and healthy relationships, encouraging healthy relationships, both in the family and with friends. I'm a big believer of close friendships. Yeah. And, and I have them dating back to kindergarten, second grade, and 
and junior high school and high school. And I think it's really important for kids. And I fostered that in, in, in my kids. But, um, but that and the flip side of that is to be aware when you see things faltering and try to, try to deal with it with kids in a way, there's a way of dealing with teens. I mean, I've developed that since I deal with thousands of them now because of all the work I've done, where you can try to, to gain their confidence, gain their trust, and, and not put them down and, and try to figure out what it is that they like, whether it's basketball, I can yeah. talk. I can talk uh, dribbling with left and right hands with kids. I can go into the hole. And you'd be amazed at what that can do in terms of getting you other, rather than be, you know, starched and upright and, you know, you know, all medical. I think when you deal with this population, you have to have a way to reach them, both as a physician, I'm sure you're probably aware of this, and as a parent. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to try to, and listen, your kid's going to uh, individuate, you know, it's just right. part of being an adolescent. So you have to allow that process. And I think I've had really good friends who are really good parents who their your kid becomes an alien at 14 or 15. And some of them don't come back till 19. Yeah. It's it's a it's a difficult process. So it's not it's it's not always easy, but if there's something other than just the adolescence, that's what I want parents to be aware of because uh, and to try to implement things in their kids' lives that can be helpful, but not alienating. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're too strict with dietary stuff, your kid will go to college and totally freak at, you know, as I've experienced and you learn how to moderate more. You learn how to have a healthy diet, but moderate a bit because you don't want it to be the forbidden fruit and the kid. Totally. You know, totally. So I think you probably understand what I'm saying, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. My mom was a health nut. And I remember like 14, 15, 16, standing in the grocery store with her and being like thinking, like as we're checking out, like, just you wait, I'm going to eat all the chocolate. College is only a few years away. I'm going to eat all this stuff. No one will stop me. But sure enough, it made me sick. Right. So, right. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, and then even with my daughter, what, what finally happened is that our conversation changed to tennis. Tennis became our language it became our thing to bond I don't play tennis I'm horrible but me enabling her her skills there and finding that passion for her it then bled into every other area of her life and so I wasn't the mom harping anymore I wasn't the mom harping on healthy food and healthy eating and all this other social media and all this other stuff I became the person who who helped her find tennis you know so it totally shifted our relationship so that was a huge win but it's hard and there's a lot of this going on and chemistry is important. So I think if you can understand the chemistry while you're working on parenting, which is an ongoing journey, it just makes the whole thing a little bit easier. Well, the passion thing, I like that you mentioned that word passion because I've always told my kids and I tell my uh, parents of, of the kids is, is, you know, in a lot of ways, you want your kid to find their and follow their passion, yes. whatever it is. Now, hopefully it's not really detrimental and I'm not talking about that, but but you know, usually it's not, but it may take them a while and mm-hmm. not to push it, but when they find it, like your daughter with tennis, definitely encourage them to follow their passion as they get older in terms of work. You know, hopefully they can find their passion. And some people never find it's kind of sad. Yeah. You know, hopefully, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I've been in practice 30, what, 38, this is my 38th year. Wow. And my staff worries about me retiring. I say, why would I retire? I love it. 
You know, I know, I know. I'm working a little less. I, I play a lot of golf and tennis. I love it. I'm very, I live a very healthy life. But I, you know, I, I get to help so many kids and teenagers and adolescents, as, you know, as well as their parents even. So it's like, uh, and I think, I think your kids see that in you probably, because I imagine, you know, most people in integrative medicine have a passion mm-hmm. for it. And so the kids don't have to have the same. My kids are not in medicine, but, um, uh, but they can learn. My son actually, uh, you know, it works in, uh, and helps me in terms of the nutrients. And my daughter went her way with, with, with in terms of uh, human resources and stuff in a, in, a, in, a, in a company. So, but if they love it, you encourage it. Right. And I think as, as, as a parent, even with the teens, and even with autistic kids, I say to, to, to parents of autistic kids, if, if they have something they love and they're good at, then you want to exploit it in the good sense of exploit. Right. You want them to pursue it. Because even though they may have difficulty with social interactions, they, I have some kids in my practices that have grown up and I've seen them for many years, are amazing sculptors, artists, video mm-hmm. games people who will be very successful in careers, right. even though they may have their limitations. So I think for all of us, we don't have to be in the autism spectrum. We can be in the mood dysregulation spectrum. We can be quote neurotypical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it behooves us all to find that passion and pursue it. Oh, I love it. Such an important topic. We could talk forever about it, but the book, everyone is brain inflamed and covering the hidden causes of anxiety, depression, and other mood disorders in adolescents and teens. And Dr. Bach, if anyone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you, reach out to you, give us all that good stuff. So it's my, my website is uh, bachintegrative.com and that's I-V-E integrative and B-O-C-K, not B-O-C-H, B-O-C-K into all one word. And it's Bach Integrative Medicine is the name of the practice. They can call and they talk to T. My, my actually uh, office manager, new patient coordinator, has been with me 35 years, actually. So my wow. Staff, <laughs> most of my staff has been with me 20 plus years. It's, it's, um, I feel honored about that. It's amazing. Absolutely. So, they amazing. Know how to, so and the number is 845-758-0001. And then there's a lot of information, Bach Nutritionals with an S, BachNutritionals.com. There's a lot of information about some of the supplements we use and how we use them. Um, and that can be helpful to many people. And also, um, and if they have questions, my son who, who runs that whole uh, website and things will answer them. He's very good at getting back to people. And then there's the book's website is Bach, uh, um, Brain Inflamed. Uh, too many Bach websites. Those <laughs> Brain Inflamed, B-R-A-I-N, one word, and the same word, inflamed, I-N-F-L-A-M-E-D, braininflamed.com. And like I said, there's a bunch of really good information. There's uh, uh, some of uh, the podcasts I've done, um, as well as the ability to look at the templates, download a, a blank template, uh, fill it in for your child, and see if you can get the uh, some of the clues and maybe the pathways to pursue. Again, I want to emphasize, it's not to have you make the diagnosis. I'm not uh, talking about diagnosis. It's to have you be aware of the possible underlying uh, causative factors that may be contributing to the symptoms in your teen or adolescence and and then maybe some paths to pursue to figure out if something is actually contributing. I love it. Thank you so much for taking some of your busy time out to talk to us about this really 
important topic. And I should have like, I should have had a quiz at the beginning, right? Whoever can tell me what neuroinflammation is will get a free bottle of boost. You guys can uh, email me at hello at drtaz.com if you get the answer to that right. That means you made it all the way through and you're going to spread the message about neuroinflammation, which I think is a critical one today. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Box, so much. And thanks to everybody else for watching and listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Remember, you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>